Welcome to the C12 Podcast. Today, we are going to be continuing our conversation on mental health in week two of our series called Change My Mind. Heather's going to be diving into how can we practically renew our mind. Definitely a great message. I hope that you are encouraged and guided by today's message. Hey, C12, how are you today? Yes. Are you? Oh, my goodness. That was terrible. Um, how are you today? Yes. Um, how, how, let me ask you this question. I asked uh, some of our volunteers earlier. I'm just curious. Especially if you're with us last week, I would like to know the answer to this question. How many of you did something, anything at all, good for your brain this week? Anything at all that was good for your brain? Like two people. Y'all, I don't know what to think about that. So I, let, me, let me just give you some options. Maybe you don't know. Maybe you're like, well, I don't know if I did anything good for my brain. Because we talked about last week. That is the question I left you with, right? That's all you have to do this week is ask yourself, is this good for my brain or bad for my brain? So good for your brain. That just means maybe you ate a vegetable. Anyone? Anyone? Okay, see? Now we're getting somewhere. Uh, did anyone get even one good night's sleep? Yes, y'all, you had no idea you did all these things that were good for your brain. How many of you got some form of movement or exercise? You're crushing it. Let's try it again now. How many of you did something good for your brain this week? Yes, yes. Okay, now let's see the other side. We got to do it. How many of you know that you made a bad choice for your brain this week? <laughs> Like you ate junk, you stayed up too late, you watched something you shouldn't. I won't make your hand, I won't make you raise your hand for that one. Like just things that were bad. Yeah, what we talked about last week, you know, we had the model of a brain and Andy Bright, Bill was here, which by the way, did he not crush it? He was so great. And we talked about this idea of the possibility of changing our mind. Not changing a preference or changing an opinion, but literally the, the organ, the little mushy organ inside, like the, this skull, our brain, changing it. We looked at a verse in Romans. Romans 12.2 that says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? Mind. By the renewing of your mind. This is where transformation happens. Like your body does not function independently of your mind. How you move through life is all dependent on what's in here. We named four different compartments of your brain. You have the biological part. And Andy gave us a bunch of really complicated words. That, that defined the actual anatomical parts of your brain that are impacted by things in your life. The logical part and the emotional part. That people who've had a lot of hardship or trauma in their life, that actually that part of your brain called the amygdala, which is actually in the very middle, like if you could like crack your brain open in the very middle, kind of like the avocado seed. 
is this amygdala that actually can get overgrown and become larger than the logical part of your brain. And you begin to become run by your emotions and that that is real. But that the good news is God made our bodies and he designed our brain to actually be able to rewire itself. To heal itself. By doing things that are good for our brain. And we underestimate things like sleeping. We underestimate things like eating well. Underestimate things like exercise. We underestimate things like the amount of hours we're on a screen and think they're no big deal. Or they've just become such a part of our regular life that changing the rhythms of our life is so overwhelming and so difficult. We don't then, but we also get frustrated about the inability to really see transformation in our life. To really see the thought patterns shift and change. To really see some of those dysfunctional, like repetitious things that you have on repeat in your brain begin to change. But the Bible says it's true. You can be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can. And today we're going to get really practical about it. All right. How many of you, maybe in your apartment, in your home, or maybe growing up in your home, you had a junk drawer. They have a junk drawer or just some place that kind of houses crap, right? Like all the little things that no one knows what to do with just all go in here. Okay, everybody's got some form of a junk drawer. We have one at our house and I have cleaned it out numerous times organize it. I throw things away. I bring my family around the junk drawer. I give a very clear, very compelling, I believe inspiring message as to why we need to keep the junk drawer clean. We go through all of this. They all agree within a week. Not only is it full, but now we have a second one. We have two junk drawers in our kitchen. Now, I thought just for the sake of, um, and I, I get upset with my family about it, but I have my own version of a drunk drawer that I carry around with me all the time, and it's this. This situation right here. This is my purse. This is, I don't know, y'all are probably too young. Did you ever watch Friends? Monica's Closet. When she opened it and unveiled it, and everybody saw the complete chaos that she actually lives in. So I thought, well, I'm just, I mean, who, we can't talk about this, and I can't not be vulnerable. I can't talk about my family being ridiculous with the junk drawer and not be open myself. So I thought, I know, we'll go through my purse tonight as a group. Um, I don't even know what's in here, y'all. So <laughs> I'm just going to pull some things out. I may be filtering as we go, depending on what I find. I just, you never know. Okay, y'all? All right. So, um, well, I mean, yeah, we've got my wallet, right? That's fine. That's totally fine. All fancy schmancy with a sum total of, I don't know, what do I have? 25, 35, 42 cents. That's right. I'm in ministry for the big bucks, y'all. You, you don't even know. Okay. Um, Just because when you need to write a note, who doesn't need a big fat Sharpie? But that's how you know that this is what I do for a living. I actually carry that around. This is evidence. I have control issues because I don't trust that if I use an easel anywhere in a meeting that someone's going to have the correct Sharpie marker that I prefer. So I simply carry it around in my purse. Um, 
Why not? I have a tampon. It's real. It's true. I don't. If it surprises you, I don't know what to tell you. That's a, another sermon, another lesson. We probably covered it actually some some point. Um, I have a broken pin. Anyone else carry broken pins? I have hairspray. I have, of course, chapstick. Oh, and of course, like, of course, who doesn't have this, right? Mask. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas from Southern Wesleyan University. Great, fantastic. Uh, headphones that I never use because they're horrible and they hurt. Um, oh, money. Great. I'll put that in my wallet. All right. Um, I have, this is my coffee. I, it's a mushroom coffee. I know it sounds weird. We, we could discuss it later. I drink it every day. It's fine. Um, uh, pens. I have a Chick-fil-A gift card. That's fantastic. I did not know that. Who has not had dinner tonight? Anyone not had dinner? You have not had dinner? Would you like this? I mean, I didn't know I had it, so why not? If I didn't know I had it before, I don't have it now either. Uh, Purell, because that's where COVID, uh, another tampon, another green pen, lip gloss. I think I got some crap in here. Napkins? One of which is used uh, for wiping my nose. Um, A little card that says, there is no otter like you. Oh, yeah, this was a thank you note from somebody. Okay. Um, a different kind of tampon. <laughs> Y'all, I'm ready. If anybody's on their period, you just let me know. I will hook you up. I got you. I got you covered. Okay. Junk. Why, why am I carrying this around? Am I concerned that Playtex is going to go out of business? Am I, I don't know, but we all have, like, don't we have something like this? Like, it just accumulates, like my son's nightstand table is just full of crap. I don't even understand it. Like, just pieces, pieces of things. I don't get it. My, my oldest daughter's room, her whole room is that. My middle daughter's like a hoarder. Her whole room is just crap. Like, we just accumulate stuff, all these little trinkets and treasures that go into this place to find a home. Much like our mind. All these little trinkets and treasures, random things, repetitious things, things we wonder how that get there, things we've kept there on purpose forever and always that accumulate in here. And no matter how many times we try and organize it or get rid of this or hold on to that or take this in or put this away or throw that away, somehow it just all returns. It just all comes back. And our minds are constantly ricocheting, like I told you last week, literally 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. Y'all, that is three, uh, roughly 3,000 per hour. 3,000 thoughts you are having per hour. That's some serious thoughts. A lot of thoughts being thunk, right? But do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You can change your mind. Thoughts are powerful. 
Thoughts have the power to change your life. And here's what I need you to he- have me hear or have you hear. But not every thought we think is worthy of a place of a home in our mind. Not every thought you think is worthy, deserves, should own a piece of real estate in your mind. And when we talk about being renewed in our mind, we have to learn how to determine what is legitimately a thought that deserves to be owned by my mind. Just because I think something doesn't mean it has to stay. Just because a thought flies over my brain or flies through my brain doesn't mean it has to land. God said we get to control our mind. A fruit of the Spirit is self-control. What comes in and what goes out of our mind by the power of his Holy Spirit, we can take captive. We can direct rather than it directing us. You, and here's, y'all should write this next thing down. This is good. It's not going to be anything that you're like, oh my gosh, that's so profound, but it's so true. Here it is. Ready? You don't have to believe everything you think. You do not have to believe everything you think. Most of us believe our thoughts are true because of how long we've been having them. When you have a thought that is repetitive, that you have over and over again, and maybe even for years, maybe even for most of your life, you really begin to think it must be true because it stays with you. And so your decisions and your actions and your opinions and your preferences all are guided by this thought that you have thought for so long it's become a part of you. It happens in big ways and small ways. Our thoughts own us in big ways and small ways. A small way that happened to me not too long ago. So post-COVID world, and maybe some of you are experiencing this too. At work here at 12 Stone, there was just a little bit of obscurity and vagueness to how many hours we could work out of the office and how many hours we were supposed to work in the office. Because obviously at COVID, we're all out of the office. We're all home, we're working somewhere else. But then over time, you know, it was like, okay, start to come back to the office. But then each campus, and each campus pastor was different. And depending on who your boss was, that determined how many hours you needed to be back in the office and what days you worked back in the office. So there's a little bit of vagueness. Now, my personality is one, I love working out of the office. I love it. My office has no windows. If you've ever been in my office, it's dreary, isn't it? It is. It's very dark and dreary. So I don't like being in there. Uh, I work at our central campus in Lawrenceville where they keep the temperature in the offices roughly around 37 degrees. And you have to wear like a parka and a hat. And I, I literally am in my office and I have blankets on me as I'm working. So I prefer to work out of the office. And so one day not too long ago, I am at home and I'm working. It's, it's, it's brilliant. My kids are at school. Nobody's there. I'm, I'm getting stuff done. I'm like pounding through this stuff. I get this text from my campus pastor, Paul, who some of you know. He's fantastic. We have a great relationship. And here's what the text says. It says, are you at Central today? That's all it says. 
are you at Central today? And I looked at the text, and I picked it up, and I was going to go, no, but then I went, wait. Why is he asking me if I'm at Central today? Am I supposed to be at Central today? Crap. He knows that I hate working in the office now. Maybe, maybe I haven't been in the office enough. Maybe if I drive to the office real quick and then answer his tests, <laughs> yes, I'm at Central. Then we can just get past all of this, but I don't want to go in the office. And what if, what if it's nothing? What if he's just curious and then I drive all the way into Central when I really could have just stayed here? Oh no, what if I'm in trouble? What have I done recently? <laughs> I don't think, I don't know what that would be. What does he want to talk to me about? Paul doesn't ever text me, are you at Central? Oh gosh, what have I said at C12? Like, these are the things you think I'm getting. These are the, what? What, what am I doing? I, you know what? I'll bet, I'll bet he's going to make me start having to work in the office every day now. I mean, who does he think he is anyway? He's younger than me. Don't tell me what to do. And my mind just starts, like, going down this road of, like, Paul's bad, right? I'm good. You know what? I should be able to work out of the office. I don't owe him an explanation. I should work out of the office. I'm, I'm really good at my job. I don't know why anyone would question where I work. I mean, and honestly, I could get more accomplished in an hour than they could get done in 40 hours, so I don't know why he thinks he could text me if I'm at Central. Central. So I pick it up and I go, Why? You know, we're just being vulnerable. You're in my purse. You're in my mind. Why? Uh, he texts back. He's like, nothing. Just wondered. No big deal. I was like, oh. Gosh, Paul is great. He's so great. I'm so glad that I get to work with Paul, right? But have you, have you ever done that? Like something small, someone says something, and you hear it, and rather than pay attention to the actual facts of what happened, the actual, like, what is the fact? The fact is, I was at home working. Two, I got a text. The text from Paul said, are you at Central? That's the, those are the facts. Nothing else but that. It is my own brain, what's inside here, and all of these messed up thought processes, maybe perhaps perceived guilt, maybe I should have been in the office more, I don't know. But I start going down these roads of assumption and thinking and swirling and all of these things until I find myself in, in a fight with Paul and Paul doesn't even know. You don't have to believe everything you think. I was letting myself believe things that were ridiculous. And there was no basis to believe. Now, if I had gone into Central and met with Paul and he had told me I needed to be in the office more, then those would be new facts for me to deal with. But that is not what happened. You don't have to believe everything you think, but it's what we do. So you have the facts versus your thoughts. 
Now, the thoughts we think are typically familiar thoughts. Like I said, they're things that we've thought for a long time. They're things that we like to think. They're things that happen all the time or routinely. So something that started to happen in our house routinely is right around this season every year, around our kitchen sink, we get ants. You ever had ants in your kitchen? Okay, I brought a picture because they're so disgusting to me. Now, this is not our kitchen. Don't worry. But just leave it up there. Leave that picture up there. These ants, they, keep, they come back whenever the months get warm in our house. And we've tried all manner of method to get rid of these dang ants. Like to the point where there have been such toxic things sprayed, put into our kitchen that I'm pretty sure my entire family has digested an entirely unsafe amount of formaldehyde. Like it's just in there. But they come back and then they go away during the cold months and then they come back and it's almost to the point, like, so yesterday Jeff goes, well, the ants are back. See, the first year we went, oh, my gosh, we have ants. And did all the things to get rid of them. And now every year it's like, well, gosh, dang it, they're back. They'll leave again. Now, while they're here, though, they're just here doing what we're going to do about it. But I like, and, I, and I, so I thought about this. I thought, oh, I know, this is just like, this is what we do in our brain. So I'd like to give you a different definition for ants. If we could use an ant as a metaphor for automatic negative thoughts. Automatic negative thoughts. These little things that infest our brain. They're like, creep in and return and return and return and we keep trying all manner of method to get rid of them until eventually we just go well I guess they're back they're just automatic automatic negative thoughts these ants little anthills that take up residence in certain areas of your life this anthill lives in this relationship in your life you got all kinds of thoughts going on when it comes to that. And then you've got a little anthill in your brain inside of your future and career. All the fears and the worries and the what ifs and I don't know. And all the negative thoughts. You got these little anthills inside of your insecurities and wow, I mean it's a big old anthill. It's a big one. These automatic negative thoughts that just keep creeping in and creeping in and creeping in. But God says we don't have to live this way. We don't. 2 Corinthians 10. I want to take you to uh, verses 3, 4, and 5. 2 Corinthians 10. So this is the Apostle Paul, and he's writing to a church in Corinth. He writes a letter. That's what these little, like all of the, like, the Philippians, Thessalonians, Colossians, all the yuns. Okay? They're all letters that the Apostle Paul is writing to churches in those towns. So to Corinth, the Apostle Paul writes this. For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension, which means lie, that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought 
to make it obedient to Christ. So he's saying the world has these weapons, but you as a follower of Jesus, oh, you have a different weapon. You have weapons that are nothing like the world's weapons. In fact, the weapons you have, they, they don't just take down. It says they demolish. They demolish strongholds. They demolish every lie that would put itself up against God's truth. And then it says, and we, you and me, and we take captive every thought. That's like a prisoner. A prisoner that submits to the person over them, that has no will of its own. A prisoner doesn't get to choose to just wander around free. A prisoner doesn't get to choose to live it, leave the cell. A prisoner doesn't get to make their own choices. They've lost their freedom. And we get to take captive our thoughts so that our thoughts are no longer roaming free. We are the boss of them. They are not the boss of us. We take captive if we employ the weapons that we've been given in the kingdom of God. Divine power to demolish strongholds. Let me tell you something. Some of y'all have some strongholds in your mind. Some of y'all have some things in your life that you are in chains and bondage to and you cannot break free from. And you cannot, no matter how hard, how hard you work, how hard you strive, even how hard you pray, how many times you show up at church, no matter what you do, you cannot get rid of the thoughts, of the feelings, of the behavior. You are in bondage. You are captive to it. It is not captive to you. And you have to wage war with weapons of the kingdom. And not the world. And it is possible. Victory is possible. See, John 10.10 says, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and have it to the full. See, the world, which is currently being run by the devil... The Bible tells us the devil's been given permission to roam around the world, and he is a liar and a thief, and he's trying to steal, kill, and destroy. So he's whispering to you things he would like for you to think. And he's not creative, and so it's typically the same things over and over again. Because he knows your vice, he knows your weakness, he knows. And he comes after you with that voice and learning to discern the difference between the devil's voice and the voice of God and the truth so that you can take captive these thoughts. And rather than that prince of darkness ruling over you, you have defeated him. Most of our arguments in our mind, they're not based on facts. They're based on the thoughts and feelings you have about those facts. They're not based on what actually is happening, what is real. They're based on your perceived reality. See, if I go back and replay that thing with Paul and I ask myself, because see, this is what you have to do to take thoughts captive, and you ask yourself, why, why did I do that? If I take the time to step back and notice and pay attention to my thoughts and dig down deep and go, Heather, you're a grown woman. Why on earth did you go down this, like, weird road of thoughts? Well, let's see. 
Personally, if I'm honest, this last month has held a lot of really emotional, weighty things in life. So I'm just kind of a little bit on high alert emotionally. Um, there is some uh, vagueness around work hours. You know, I don't tend to love that vagueness. And um, maybe I have a little bit of fear that I'm not going to be able to work the way I want to work. I, I, how do I feel about that? I mean, and I start to really step back and go, what the heck? Oh, my emotions are kind of, you know, right on the surface lately. I'll bet if, they, if it wasn't that kind of season, I probably would have been a little calmer, you know. I probably wouldn't have reacted so, like, viscerally, you know. I would have just answered, no, but do you need me to be? I can be at Central, you know. When you go down the dark roads of your thoughts, the primary way you take them captive is you just step back and notice and go, what's real here? Like, what's real? Not what is my perceived reality. What do I imagine that person's intentions are or that person's motivations are? But what, what's What's happening in me? Because what if, what if I had been in trouble at work? What if my response in a healthy way still should have been, hey man, no problem. I can be there if you need me. Do you need me? Take time to step back and ask. Now, that takes a lot of patience and time and discipline. When you're in the middle of something with someone, now that was just he was someone else, here I am. But if you're in a room with someone and you're in conflict and your thoughts are flying, it's real hard, isn't it? To like step back and go, okay, you know what? Just, just it's getting a little heated. It's getting a little crazy. I just want to step back here because I need to sit here and ask myself like why I'm responding the way I'm responding. I want to be able to intelligently tell you if this is really you or if it's really me or if it's a combination or I just need to sit in that. I need to notice. I need to take my thoughts captive rather than my thoughts taking me captive. If you're having 60 to 80,000 thoughts a day, you might think, uh, I'm sorry, are we supposed to notice 80,000 thoughts a day? I mean, Heather, what do you think I have time to do? Like, how is that even realistic? The thoughts that you need to take the time to notice and dig into and wonder about are the ones that are inhibiting your full life in Jesus Christ. The ones that are keeping you from healthy relationships. The ones that are keeping you in a state of depression. The ones that are keeping you in apathy. The ones that are keeping you in laziness. The ones that are keeping you from being able to be free of so much conflict. The ones that are inhibiting 
the way you work, that are inhibiting the way you function, the things, your insecurities, the things that plague you, you've got to step back. You've got to step back and wonder why you're reacting. Let me give you a sentence that has nearly saved my marriage from this thing. Because my husband, I, Jeff and I, if you know, we both have real strong personalities. You know that story that I just went down with, Paul? The story, I, the, the what I can think and then what my husband can go down the road and think, I'm just telling y'all. We can be fight. We think we're fighting over like who had the last packet of mushroom coffee, and all of a sudden we're looking at each other like the other one is our enemy, and they've been plotting against us. And I mean, just we can go to all kinds of dark places. Let me teach you the sentence that has nearly saved our marriage and can probably save you out of nearly cra- every crazy thought train you jump on. It's this one. The story I'm telling myself is, what I mean by that is this, you know, Jeff comes in the room, says something to me like, hey, are you getting the kids from school? Now, the story, I could say to him, "Uh, are you getting the kids from school? And the story I'm telling myself is you don't want to get the kids from school. You want to be lazy. You want to watch something on TV. You want me to go have to get the kids from school. I've worked a really long, hard day. Have you worked a really long day? Probably. But, like, why can't, I mean, I, we just, like, here's the story I'm telling myself that you don't really care about my feelings. Or he'll say, well, Heather, when you said that the other day, when you said this, and it hurt my feelings, here's the story I'm telling myself. The story I'm telling myself in my head is that you didn't want me around or that, like, you, you know, when you said you wanted to go binge watch a TV show instead of, like, you know, watching a movie with me, well, the story I told myself is that, like, you just don't care and you don't want to be with me and blah, 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 and I went down this dark road and I get the chance to go, but that's not the true story. <laughs> Or he could say to me, Heather, the story you told yourself is fiction. Like, it's not true. We all tell ourselves a story when it comes to our thinking and it comes to our life. And you have to be willing to address whether it is a true story or a fictional story. It takes a ton of humility. It takes a ton of patience. But you have to shift from familiar thoughts to freedom thoughts. Rather than thoughts that are just constant and familiar and they're always there, the ants, rather than looking at the ants, the automatic negative thought, you shift to thoughts of freedom. Is this a thought pattern that's keeping me captive or is this one that I am taking captive of? Because I want to be free. I thought it might be interesting and maybe it'd be helpful if I just listed for you some of the thoughts I think you think. Some of the thought patterns. Familiar thoughts. Some of the 60 to 80,000. Maybe you're thinking about the homework, the due dates, the tests, the ever-present weight 
of work that never really is fully done because there's always something else. And when one thing is done, another deadline begins. And then there's the grades. Can you keep the grades to keep the scholarship? Can you keep the grades to stay in the major? Can you keep the grades to graduate on time? Are you going to have to go another semester? And then if you do, what will people think? Who will pay? Will your parents still contribute? Will you have to get another job? Can you, are you even in the right major? Have you spent all of these years going into something that ultimately you think, I don't even want to do? Well, what do I do now? Am I just destined to have to be in this? Or can I actually go into something that I'm not even majoring in? And oh no, what if I don't get a job? I mean, we are in the midst of COVID. People aren't hiring. People are buckling down. God, why would you ask me to do something? And I've been chasing this thing and are you not going to provide any opportunity for me to do it? And how on earth am I supposed to do my homework, work a job, volunteer at C12 or church, take care of my parent that's ill, also I have this responsibility and this obligation, how in the world am I supposed to do all of this? I'm tired, I can't sleep at night, I can't afford my rent. Or what about thoughts on your health. Gosh, I don't feel very well right now. Why don't I feel very well? And actually, if I think it through, I really haven't felt well for some time. Is this COVID? Well, it turns out it's not. Then what is it? Well, I need to go to the doctor. I don't have the money to go to the doctor. Am I still insured? Am I on my parents' insurance? I don't know. Do I need to get insurance? I can't afford insurance. I need to get a job with insurance, but no jobs seem to offer insurance anymore. Does the government still offer insurance? How do you go through applying for that insurance? Oh, no, I did. It's still too expensive. How am I supposed to get help that I need? The, 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 medicine that I need, the surgery that I need, how am I supposed to get the counseling that I need, the psychological help that I need. I don't know if I'm in a depression. I don't know if I'm just sad. I don't know if I need like medical help. I don't know if I just need to sleep more. How am I supposed to know these things? And I still have to work. I'm sick, yet I have to work because I have rent to pay. Should I get the vaccine? I don't know. There's a million different opinions on it. Then what about work? All of your thoughts about work, the people that you work with. I can't believe I have to work with this person. They're so difficult to work with. They create a really difficult environment. How am I going to do this? I can't do this anymore, but yet I have to keep doing this. If I don't keep showing up to work, I'm not going to get a paycheck. I don't know if I have the energy to go out and find another job that pays the kind of money that this current job pays. Is this really what I want to do? And then there's the relationships. Either I don't have any friends. Where am I going to find friends? I see all of these people around the room at C12, but I don't know that they really want to get to know me. They're going to think I'm weird if I just walk up to them in the middle of nowhere. How do I find a friend? Or I want to get married someday. How am I supposed to find anyone at all that I might be interested in, let alone be interested in me? I've tried going to the bars, but I think we know how that goes. So here I am, and I'm looking around, and I see couples. Well, how did that happen? How did they get that? Why don't I have that? When I scroll through social media and I see what other people have, that doesn't seem fair to me. They get to walk through this life and it looks this way, yet my life looks this way. I don't understand, which brings me to all of my thoughts about God. God, you don't really seem like you're doling things out very fairly these days. Should I go to church? Do I even care about my faith? What if I really said what I really think about my faith? or lack thereof? What if I asked the questions I really have? And then there's the constant shame and guilt and self-condemnation that I live in because I don't read my Bible like they say I should. 
and I'm not very good at prayer, and I don't share my faith, does that make me a bad Christian? God must be disappointed in me. Maybe he's disappointed in me, and that's why he's not blessing me the way I see him bless other people. Am I not doing enough? Does prayer work? What should I wear? Should I ask her out? Where should I sit? What's the noise that my car is making? Did I return the email? I need a vacation. What if this happens? What if that happens? I can't do today. And then there's all of the, I can't believe I did that. I hope no one finds out. What if someone learns that that's who I used to be? What if someone knows how I really live? What if my double life gets made known? All of those thoughts, they all want the same thing. They want to take you captive. They want to own you. They want to own you. Man, the devil hopes that those thoughts are just screaming in your head. Just screaming. Because if they're screaming in your head, you're not going to live like you're free. Oh, no, no. If he can make those thoughts louder than the whisper of Jesus in your ear, like Yona said earlier, that says, you are loved. You are safe. I am with you. In scripture where it says, if I care enough to feed the birds outside, do you not think that I care enough to take care of you? When Jesus says, I know the number of hairs on your head. I know what you need more than you do. Philippians 4, 8 through 9 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. The weapons Paul wrote about are the weapons that God offers. The weapon of truth. The weapon of God's word. The weapon of worship. Do you know worship is a weapon? Man, you want to clear your thoughts real quick. You know this. This is why we love it in C12, worship. Worship will right-size some things real quick. Community. And then the passage that are filters for what you watch, listen, take in. True, noble, right, pure, lovely. Y'all, like about a year ago, I had to stop watching some stuff. I had to stop listening to some stuff. I had to stop some of those things because they impact you when you don't think that they do. 
And if I want the Holy Spirit to fill me, I got to make space for the Holy Spirit. And if I'm filling all the space in my mind with things that are not true, noble, pure, lovely, excellent, praiseworthy, then where, what space does, does the Holy Spirit inhabit? If my mind is full of junk, there's no space for the Holy Spirit. And so let me ask you, do you, have you made space? Are you making space in your brain, in your mind, for things that are true, noble, trustworthy? Are you stepping back and noticing your thoughts, asking yourself truly, where do these come from? Why am I reacting this way? What's the vulnerable truth, not the defensive truth, the vulnerable, honest truth? Would you bow your heads with me? I think some of you have allowed shame and blame and darkness and unforgiveness and apathy, negativity, cynicism, criticism, insecurity to just own your thoughts, to just own you. And I would invite you, I'm going to be quiet for a couple of minutes, and I would invite you to just sit with the Lord and notice and reflect on what's really going on inside of you. What's really happening? Why are you actually responding the way you've been responding? What thought needs to be surrendered to the Lord? What thought needs to be taken captive? Sit in that for a minute. Father, we come to you with our thoughts. We come to you with our minds. This part of us that you've created, that you've given to us. And Lord, we ask that you transform our mind. That you renew it to the mind of Christ. That we might think like you, love like you. Be loved, live loved like you. Lord, give us the self-control and the discipline to take a step back when our thoughts begin to run rampant, to take a step back and think. Take a step back and wonder and notice where it's really coming from.
Holy Spirit, by your power, we have the power to demolish strongholds, to take captive every thought. By your power, Holy Spirit, we have, we have the ability to, to demolish every lie, everything that sets itself up against the truth of Jesus. May we walk in that authority. May we walk in that authority. And may you be glorified. Thank you for listening to the C12 Podcast today. I hope that you were able to learn about the thoughts that we need to take captive and you feel like you can have some practical steps that you can take forward and take thoughts captive. We think about so many thoughts throughout our days and we need to make sure that they align with what God wants for us. So take some time to take some thoughts captive right now and reflect on this message. Next week, Alex Carney will be with us speaking on a new series. So definitely be there for that and make sure that you tune in next week. If you are encouraged and guided by this message, please share it with somebody and also rate us on Apple Podcasts. That definitely helps us get it out to more people. If you would like to learn more about College at 12 Stone, give us a follow on Instagram at C12 Stone. Hope to have you join us next week.